Welcome to the Life as a Coder podcast series, brought to you by Ozark Institute, an initiative of OncoSpark, a technology-enabled revenue cycle management company, discussing your life as a medical coder, offering tips and advice for coding students and professionals. Join us every Wednesday. Hello and welcome to the Life as a Coder podcast. My name is Jennifer McNamara and I am your host today. Our show is brought to you by your friends at Ozark Institute. Ozark Institute is an initiative of OncoSpark, a technology-enabled revenue cycle management company. We are so happy that you're here. Please rate or subscribe us if you're enjoying the show. Follow us on any platform that you listen to your podcasts. We are here today to talk about March Madness with modifiers. It is March. It's March Madness. And I have my special guest, Kimberly Gillivet-Williams. We're here to talk about all things modifiers. And of course, our disclaimer is, as always, that we do not accept responsibility uh, for errors or admissions, and this is not to be taken as legal or professional advice. It's based on our research and our thoughts, our feelings, and our experiences when it comes to the world of modifiers. We hope you'll enjoy this episode as we dig into some of our favorite modifiers and those that really do affect the revenue cycle. So stay tuned for our discussion on modifiers. The team at OncoSpark offers a unique opportunity to grow your career in the business of medicine through their virtual specialty conference series. The reality of attending conferences in person is constantly changing. We give you the opportunity to learn virtually from industry leaders in top specialties, such as obstetrics and gynecology, pediatrics, cardiology, oncology, and orthopedics. We present timely industry topics to help you navigate regulatory guidelines, best practices and coding, billing, and practice management from the experts in the field. Whether you are interested in becoming the go-to expert in your field, provide additional knowledge for your education program, or you're ready to dive into other specialties, we have you covered. We hope to see you at our 2022 events. First of all, I want to introduce Kim. Kim, welcome. Hey, hi everybody, how y'all doing? I don't know about you, Kim, but I, when I first started in healthcare and I was learning coding, uh, there were two things I did not like, <laughs> and they were modifiers and evaluation and management coding. Yeah. It was like, am I ever going to understand this concept? What is happening? I don't understand. Yes, and, uh, I totally agree. You're right. Those are two challenging topics and concepts to grasp, especially when you're a new coder. Exactly. So I am just super excited that we get to share this and make it a, a live broadcast and say hello to everyone out there. We see it, all the comments coming in. So thank you for joining. Uh, please, 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 uh, you know, put your comments in, your questions, your excitement about this and always reach out to Kim and I. And we, this is, of course, is a live podcast, but we do have, of course, our official podcast, Life as a Coder, available on all platforms for the most part. I think most people listen on Apple or, or Spotify, but there are a lot of other apps out there that we're available on. So let's check out our older episodes and newsflash. If you didn't know, we offer CEUs for select podcasts and this is one of them guys. So uh, stay tuned. Um, if you uh, of course like the fact that you can listen to a podcast or watch a live broadcast and get a CEU, um, definitely watch out for that. You can go to www.patreon.com forward slash life as a coder and you can sign up for membership levels uh, and be able to 
get CEU for this episode. This is a bonus episode, so it's only available for all access and VIP members. Uh, your basic level gets all episodes free, um, and one episode a month will get a CEU. So this is our bonus episode, though, just for our all access and our uh, our VIP members. So we're excited to talk about this. Now, we might recognize Kim. She's been on my podcast before. We have been connected for I don't even know how many years now. It's been a long time. And so we've worked together on our virtual conferences and different things. And I want to get right into the episode. I don't want to bore you anymore. Let's talk about modifiers. So yeah. modifiers, uh, we know that they're, of course, the name of the word modifier is to modify something. So yeah. for me, like when I really understood modifiers, I came to the conclusion, okay, like there's not just a, um, you know, a one size fits all situation. Yes. Um, we need modifiers because you may have a procedure or a service and it doesn't really completely identify what really is the case, right? Anything mm -hmm. can happen. Yes. Um, and I do, I do say that uh, the modifiers, they tell an extended story. That's the way I like to kind of put it. You know, you have your procedure, you have your service that was done, but if you have any extension of that, that you want to tell like laterality, if there was a complication, anything like that, it tells that extension of what else was performed or done or occurred. Absolutely. I totally agree. And um, because we understand now being in the, the field over 20 years, both of you and I, you and I, we've seen a lot of, this is what the provider understands about modifiers. And this is what maybe the payer understands about modifiers. So we're not here to teach you like a full on lecture, like you would get in a, a coding mm -hmm. program, like for AAPC or HEMA. We're not here to do that. We're here to talk about the modifiers themselves, how to interpret them the best you can. But again, we're both going to tell you, payer specific, please, 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 uh, disclaimer alert. Yes, <laughs> um, absolutely. Because you we know, are you're not, we are not responsible for misinterpretation, right? Because yeah. you're in Arkansas and I'm in Texas and just state to state, things could be different for different Macs, for different payers. So you always want to consult with your payer to make sure you have the most current relevant and appropriate guidance. Absolutely. And it's really important too to understand your MAC carriers. So mm -hmm. if you're new to coding or billing or in the, this field at all, um, the Medicare regional contractors that Medicare uses, they kind of all have, for the most part, the, the basic understanding. It's like pretty similar to CPT definition. They may have their own take on certain things or they even have different cool references um, on modifiers. I'm grateful that I'm in Novitas region like yourself because I love Novitas yes. <laughs> um, because, oh my goodness, their modifier page is so amazing. And so yes. we're going to put it in our show notes. Um, so I'm really excited about that, to have that option. Um, and I'm also going to um, shoot that over um, into the comments for everyone so that, um, you know, you can, you know, have that ability to, you know, um, look at that. Yes. And I love it because also on their page, um, an extension of that modifier page, they have those fact sheets and a lot of their fact sheets and tip sheets have those decision trees and they ask you those lines of questioning so that you can know, okay, if it's this, yes, then do that. And it walks you through. And that's, you know, very crucial and critical to understand, even if you're a new coder or if you've been in the industry for a long time and it's something that you're not familiar with and you don't use it. So I do love that Novitas put a lot into it. And they also have a modifier tool 
on the uh, Novitas website where you can literally go in and plug in your procedure, plug in your date, plug in your modifier, and it'll give you information on it. So that that site, if you're even if you're not in the Novitas region, because I tend to go to Noridian and uh, WPS for guidance on different things just to see what their perspective is. Because even though I'm in Texas, sometimes I can understand it a little bit better from their perspective and it'll help me. But I think no matter what state you're in, if you can get connected to Novitas, it's a good website for you to view those modifiers and what their guidance is on that. Absolutely. And one of the things I always say when I do my modifier presentation last year, I was just so grateful. The AAPC invited me to speak at HealthCon in Dallas in a live and yes, you were amazing. Oh, well, thank you. I, I was my first time speaking at HealthCon, <laughs> plus my first time attending HealthCon. So it was kind of stressful, but I loved it. It was so great. And of course, I'm going to be back later this month um, virtually for the, the one this year. Mm -hmm. But on the modifiers, one of the things I did mention, if you caught that presentation, was that modifiers have different purposes and different reasons to use them. Uh, so you really need to know your type of modifier. And that's why I love this link I just shared with everyone in the in the chat um, was because it kind of organized all your modifiers. And I when I found this originally, I was just like, this is perfect. Because mm -hmm. if a provider wants to know, okay, where did you find this information or a clinic that we're auditing for or whenever we do our official audits for our clients, we like to put um, information where we got this information. You got to have references, right? Yes, always. You're yeah, not I have, making this up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had a director and she used to always say that. She was like, you always want to cite your source and mm -hmm. you want to try to cite an authoritative source because, you know, sometimes you'll get in different companies with different perspectives, but so that you can make sure you're on the right, right track. And, you know, they are the people that's going to hold us accountable, right? CMS and the specialty societies and people like that, AAPC, you want to make sure you have an authoritative source uh, in the industry that you're getting that good, current, relevant information. Absolutely. So if you go to the link we posted, you can see, you know, they have, of course, we know that the um, Healthcare Common Procedural Coding System, the HixPix Level 2 modifiers, they have their own. And I know you know those well, Kim, because working in anesthesia so, so many years. And um, if you ever have to deal with a denial for Medicare, uh, maybe you know something is not payable um, as you have your advanced beneficiary notice that you hand out, there's modifiers that go on that. Mm -hmm. um, and they're not in CPT. Um, so you need to know where they are. Yes. Um, and, yes. And that I always teach too, when I teach on modifiers, I love to tell them about both the um, Hixpix modifiers that are in the uh, Hixpix coding manual, that appendix B. Yes. Yeah. That appendix B, because I think it's very helpful uh, for people to understand that they can find those um, alphanumeric modifiers with a full description in mm -hmm. that appendix B in your Hixpix coding manual. Because some of them are on the front of the CPT, like your toes and your fingers and um, the uh, mm -hmm. anesthesia P1 modifiers. But if you want to get that full description and understanding, you can look in the appendix be in your Hicks modifier for those alphanumeric modifiers. Absolutely. And so another thing to keep in mind too, and we're going to talk about this later, is which modifiers go on which types of services. So it's very important mm -hmm. you do not append a procedure-only modifier to an ENM and a not mm -hmm. an ENM-only modifier to a procedure. Yes. Um, the uh, Waterbury Torrington chapter of Connecticut had the privilege of being the first chapter at APC to hear my presentation 
on on EM only modifiers that I'll be, of course, presenting at other chapters throughout the year and just kind of talking about that specific piece. And then I'll be making other presentations throughout the year, kind of splitting up this idea of, okay, what do we understand about modifiers? How should we interpret them for different areas? Yeah. Um, specifically for that, you know, we need to know the global period, right? Mm-hmm. You need to understand the global package. What do you think about that, Kim? How important is that? Oh, yes. Extremely important. And you need to understand when to use which modifiers, because that's another thing that used to have me puzzled is trying to understand when do you use 58 versus 78 versus 79 in those surgical procedures. And so you have to know, is it staged? Is it not staged? You know, are you returning and understand when it's applicable? Because if you don't apply them properly and you're within that global package, you risk your claim being denied. And none of us want to have denied claims, right? We want all our claims to be paid. So um, that Mm -hmm. is number one thing, yes. Absolutely. We want to get paid. Yeah. And so we're going to clean claim out the first time by knowing which modifier is applicable. That's the best. I mean, if we're new or we're kind of just kind of finding our kind of learning the ropes, that's not a, not a big deal. You know, you usually if you have your edits in place in your software, um, mm-hmm. it'll kick it back to you if you have them set up properly. Mm-hmm. Where ahead of time, you know, you have someone go in and set up your software edits to where, you know, like if this is a situation, you need this modifier and so forth. Get that set up first and that way it'll stop it from happening, at least initially. Add your modifier and then it hopefully can go off to the payer clean, which is what we want. So let's begin and talk about these. Um, We can't talk about all of them today, guys. I wish we could, which is why we are posting that link so you can have that access. But we're going to focus on the ones that need the most attention in the industry that we find. Um, Kim's going to talk about the new F modifiers a little bit just because they're on our mind, right? Um, Because they're new. And so those that keep in mind. Um, Really quickly, though, I want to make sure we understand when I talk about these, I'm going to try to notify you, yes, E&M only or procedure only, mm-hmm. just to kind of let mm-hmm. you know. I'm saving mm-hmm. modifier 25 for last because I get really winded when I talk about modifier 25. <laughs> so hold on, guys. Uh, so first of all, uh, the modifier 50, just kind of throw it out there. It's informational, um, but at times it can affect payment, right? So we want to understand um, we do not put them on our add-on codes. Uh, Hopefully Mm -hmm. you recognize that update a few years ago, that that is no longer a thing. We -hmm. do not put the bilateral modifier on an add-on code. Yes. That's in CPT. So be aware of that. Yes. And you should have that parenthetical note. I know throughout the CPT coding manual, they started adding those parenthetical notes on those add-on codes. So we know it's not appropriate to add that 50 bilateral modifier. Absolutely. So always look at your appendix two in your CBT manual. If you need a quick overview of that modifier, check your payer websites, what they kind of have a lot of great guidance on there. Um, I know personally in Arkansas, when I discovered that this little caveat that Blue Cross had, I was like, what is this? And so like totally flew me for a loop because they want on bilateral procedures, they want one line with the 50 and then the laterality modifier and the other line with, with the alternate laterality modifier. Mm-hmm. So let's mm-hmm. say for instance, I'm doing a joint injection for ortho, which I do a lot. We do 20610 50RT, and then I do 20610 with an LT. Mm-hmm. Craziness, right? Yeah. Um, and that's why you got to check those pair policies because you're right. All of them don't want just that 20, what is it? 20610 with a 50. They want yeah. specifically the guideline for their payer policy. So um, bilateral modifiers and how, it, some of them just want LT on one code and RT on another, 
or they just want 50. So you do have to definitely check with the payers because they differ so much when it comes to that uh, bilateral procedure and the modifiers. Absolutely. And then also think about too, when it comes to your staffing and who does what, like I'm, I've had podcasts on this lately. I'm, I'm on my soapbox guys. <laughs> I've never been separated as a biller and a coder, I've always been the same except mm -hmm. once in my life. And it, mm -hmm. it stressed me out <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. because I was just a coder. I wasn't allowed to do any billing or changes and it drove me insane. And so mm -hmm. I feel for y'all, if you have separated roles and it's hard for you because you have this brain where like you're coding, but you know, this needs to be the case and mm -hmm. you're hoping the billers know this. And so that happens and I, I get, I get stressed out, but I know some of you handle it really well. I just can't. <laughs> so uh, anyway, but if you have that role, just make sure that you at least know enough about that payer if you're the coder. And then if you're the biller, let's say, for instance, the coder slaps a 50 on there, but you know that that payer needs it split, then, of course, you know what to do. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, your your policy, your facility is what it is. So just kind of think about that when you're making policies. How is this going to best um, make my my facility efficient? Uh, my my teams, how can they work together is really my my only comment on that. Always. And and I tell everybody, coding and billing, they're kissing cousins, right? <laughs> and, and so we have, to, yeah. we have to exist together. We have to work together. We have to communicate. You know, you have to be able to communicate because we need each other. We need each other to make sure that the adjudication process for the payments go smoothly like they need to. So we always want to make sure that we're connected and we can communicate and share that knowledge to make sure again, that we have that clean claim and it results in a payment. Absolutely. 100%. So that's just kind of one of those I wanted to talk about. I'm going to move on to my global surgeries because um, that's what I deal with mostly as a surgical coder. I am definitely a surgery modifier person. And so historically 58 and 78, um, I'm sorry, is it 58, 78? Mm -hmm. Yeah. They were commonly um, confused mm -hmm. um, because, you know, you think about the procedure itself, like I think of like, if you have, I, the example I use all the time is if you had like um, a procedure on the abdomen and the incision mm -hmm. site had some kind of infection, you know, that's not a stage or related procedure exactly. because you didn't know what's going to happen, right? That's right. It's, exactly. And it's the procedure itself that caused that to happen. It wasn't mm -hmm. just like, um, you know, a, a process of things that you end up having to do. Exactly. So, I think about it that way. Now on the flip side, 58 for me is I use, I, we do plastics. So I do a lot mm -hmm. of breasts, like uh, maybe yes. a, a incisional biopsy, or maybe you mm -hmm. do a biopsy and then it goes into mastectomy or yes. a lumpectomy to a, a mastectomy. It's yes. more extensive, right? Like yes. it's definitely, it could be related, but they have to do more now. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I always say it's, um, you knew it was going to happen. So you did that first surgery and you said, okay, we know in three weeks, six weeks, we're going to have to go back and do this next surgery. Well, that's what it is because you're staging it out. You know, first we're going to do this part, then we're going to proceed to the next part. So yes. Yes, absolutely. And then there are also stage procedures that are already staged within the CPT description. So watch for that or you don't need a modifier because it literally says this many stages will be involved in that code. So always watch for that because I've seen that happen where they've added a modifier and it really doesn't need one and it's not appropriate because the code itself indicates multiple stages. So you don't need to stage it out. Um, but like, yeah, if you and for debridements, I do that a lot and I'll be mentioning that HealthCon as well in my mm -hmm. lesion and wound care presentation is that sometimes you got to think about your procedure itself. Like and naturally a provider, like at least in ortho or wound care that I do, 
you know, they anticipate it's a multiple session thing. <laughs> like, you know, you're going to have to go back in. Maybe you anticipate with this patient, you're hoping maybe only two or three times you'll have to go back in and do a debridement and get the wound clean or whatever. Um, if you're adding a wound vac, maybe you know that you mm -hmm. have to kind of monitor that. Maybe you'll have to do another one uh, after that. So you don't really know. Yeah, really, yeah. but you anticipate it could happen. So that's mm -hmm. really the kicker. Mm -hmm. It's like you definitely know that it's potential for multiple visits. You just don't know how many. Yes. So watch the global package if it's 90, 10, whatever. Uh, watch that for that part. And that's really all I have to say about that. Just understand the difference. Now, 78, pretty clear. It's a complication. But I want to talk about Medicare versus AMA because they do have their own interpretation, don't they, of what a complication is. Um, and, yes, they, you know, they, and even, yeah, they came in, you know, with even with our new guidelines, just giving an understanding of what we can determine as uh, the uh, major versus minor procedures, right? Um, mm -hmm. You know, we always were like, okay, if it's 10 days, it's minor. If it's 90 days, it's major. But, you know, CPT came out with that new understanding when they issued the 2021 definitions that, you know, major or minor may not be uh, selected just by the definition of that date that's put on the code. So exactly, uh, it's more about the physician's perspective. Excellent, excellent point. Absolutely. Because we don't want to, when we're thinking, okay, what are we coding? We're coding the EM visit. We're going to forget what Medicare says. We're just coding on the documentation alone for EM mm -hmm. modifiers. Then yeah, we have to go back to Medicare's definition if we're, if that's how we're interpreting it and everything. So yeah, know what you're actually looking at. Are we, mm -hmm. am I doing a modifier issue or am I having to deal with just leveling a code? Like, what am I actually working on? Yes. That's a good point. Um, so if you look at the global package and what's included on Medicare's website versus what AMA's in the CPC codebook says, pretty similar. Like, there's a lot of similarities. But the one difference that you'll find with Medicare is that they don't allow you to um, do the the modifier on the e &M, like to unbundle it from the gold package for a complication. Mm -hmm. They expect you, if there's a complication and you have to take the patient back to the OR, you're going to get your procedure. Like they're going to give you that. You'll get your procedure with your modifier, but not an EM. They're not going to let you get that for a complication. Some of your commercial payers or AMAs, the ones that follow AMA, they're going to maybe allow that a little bit. Um, if it's a complication, you can get like your, um, you know, maybe it was unrelated, but if it's related, maybe you can get that that um, that EM. Um, but just make sure that you have the documentation to support it. Yeah, that's the most important part right there, because um, I even find with preventative services, you know, sometimes you may have that patient come in uh, with that additional condition uh, when they're trying to have a preventative service. But it's always important to make sure that you have that, that you can pull it out and that if you're going to add that modifier 25, that E&M, however level you pick can stand on its own and it is significant um, and separate from that preventative service because you have to make sure if you're adding that modifier that your documentation level up and it, it, it supports you adding it. Absolutely. 79, pretty straightforward. It's like, for me, it's the 24's cousin because it's the procedure part of unrelated. So like for me and ortho, we always, they would hardly ever do the same side and the same, same visit. Sometimes they, it, it happens sometimes mm -hmm. they do a total knee replacement and they do both, but most of the time they schedule them out separately. So you have like a right-sided carpal tunnel release, and then you have like a few weeks later, you have the other side. So that's unrelated. Um, watch your, you know, your um, body parts, your structures, make sure you understand if it's truly unrelated. 
to that structure? How do they, the payer interpret that? How does Medicare interpret that? Um, making sure you know that. And we'll get into more of that when we talk about 59. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. So 79, we're done with those. That's surgery only. So we have 58, 78, 79. Those are our global kind of, I think about them, my like global modifiers for procedures. Yeah. On the flip side, we have, we're going to still going to save 25 for the end, but so we're going to talk about 24 and we're going to talk about 57. So 24 again, obviously that is if you have, of course, um, seen a patient, they're in the global period, but now they're having something else happen that's unrelated. Right? Yes. Yes. Significantly unrelated service during a global period. Yes. That's what 24 is. So um, I always say if you, you did surgery on the leg and now they tripped again and now they broke their arm, you know, now you're coming in for a separate EM maybe two weeks later because they didn't tripped again. They're just that clumsy person, right? And now they've broken their arm. So you can use the 24 because that's totally separate, right? The leg has nothing to do with the arm. And that's, uh, you know, you're able to do that EM and apply that 24. Absolutely. And yeah. so you you are going to have to have a different diagnosis. I mean, like that's really going to be the trigger. So just realize that that's really the case uh, for the most part. Um, you're going to have to remember that that really is most applicable to have that separate diagnosis to justify that unrelation. Um, yes. 57. Um, it's been some talk about different things. And I worked at ortho for a long time with the physician. I know they always, you know, well, not always, but sometimes they bring the patient back maybe like the day before surgery or maybe two days before surgery. But when did that decision for surgery happen? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is the question. Yes. Ask yourself that. Um, yes. The pa- patient can say, hey, I want to wait a couple weeks. I don't want to do it. I want to make a decision right now. Um, it's not the patient's decision <laughs> when we use that modifier, <laughs> right? Um, so what do you think about that? What situ- okay. Have you ever encountered that? Of course, definitely. And and uh, we even had sometimes where they were doing H&P because the H&P was required, you know, at the hospital when the patients go in. And that's like a component to the procedure that you're doing. You can't do that the day before and, and put a 57 on it because you're right. If that decision was already made in advance to that date of that procedure the day before, then you definitely are, it's not appropriate to put the 57. Now, if you really did get the patient in the ER and you never seen them before and you having to decide all this and now all of a sudden you got to take them to have a left heart cat, then yes, then, you know, it's warranted. Again, it's all about the medical documentation and the medical necessity and making sure that documentation is noted so that you can apply that modifier. And then we forgot to mention that 24 is an ENM modifier. And so yes. is 57. They only go on ENMs. They don't go on procedures. Yes, please, um, no procedures. No procedures. <laughs> it won't make sense to the payer. They won't know what's happening. <laughs> yes. 24 and 57 are evaluation and management modifiers. And um, just so everyone knows, I see all your questions. We're going to try to get to some of the yeah. messages to them. Um, lady, I, I I got you. So you're asking me um, how often do you see or use Modifier 24? I will say it's so specific to this specialty because you just never know. It's like case specific. I would say I don't see as often as other modifiers because it really just depends. Like if the patient decides, I'm coming in, I want to talk about everything today. <laughs> like I want to talk about all my problems. And one of those problems might be unrelated to what they had surgery for. If they come in their post-op and like, oh, by the way, I have this pain, then that can turn into that. If the provider decides he's going to evaluate that that day, or maybe mm-hmm. he'll bring them back later, but it all depends on the provider and the patient, what actually transpires. But 
you know, that's really just a case by case basis, I would say. Absolutely. Yes. Um, yes. That's and then, of course, I just wanted to kind of just highlight that. So really quickly on 57 again, E&M only. This is your uh, major surgery modifier. And so Medicare identifies that a major surgery has a 90 day global. So you, I kind of think like your 25 is on your zero and 10 day global procedures. And then the, the 57 is your 90 day. So anything that's a major designation by Medicare global standards is what we understand yes. that the yes. day of or the day after. So let's say, and my husband had an appendectomy a while back. So he had this abdominal pain, went to the urgent care. They sent him to the ER. The ER physician called in the, uh, the consultation by the general surgeon. That general surgeon came in, saw him. It's like, it's always immediate, right? Like you're going to surgery right now. <laughs> so um, he built his consult with a 57. And then um, I was his actual coder, so I know this. <laughs> so, and then, um, and then we actually, you know, that that's how it happened. So, mm -hmm. I know I used to code these all the time for him, and yeah. I promise you, I didn't code my husband's surgery, HIPAA guidelines. <laughs> I didn't do that, but I've coded these enough that I know exactly how it would have been built. That's how it works. And then you build the um, appendectomy code because remember there is an actual E&M component built into every procedure that has a global. That's what the global created. Yeah. So you have that natural, like already included. Yeah. So as we get into 25, this will make more sense to y'all, I promise. Um, yes. So we want to make sure we understand. So you, it's the day of, you do that procedure that day, the day you decided, or you do it the day after. Anything outside of that other day. So let's say it's like March 10th, you, you decide you're going to do it March 12th, not the same because that's more than a day after. So you don't need a modifier. Mm. You're an auditor, Kim. Um, yes. I'm an auditor too, but you've yes. been an auditor longer than me. So yes. for instance, what situations have you seen where this has been an issue with um, how can a modifier trigger an audit? Yes. Well, I mean, you, we know 59, right? Yeah. That is like the red flag, right? And I know you're going to talk about it. I'm bringing it up a little early. It's next. Early, it's next. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, you know, anytime you just arbitrarily, you know, I cringe anytime I see, oh, we just put a 59 on all of those. It's like, wait a minute, make sure your documentation, because anytime you're using any modifier and they consider you an outlier from your peers in that same specialty, in that same area, then that's going to send red flags and that's going to make you susceptible to a potential audit and you don't want that. So again, it's all about medical documentation and you never just automatically apply a modifier at all. 59X modifiers until you validate that you have the supporting documentation to support adding that modifier. Absolutely. And we understand, you know, if you run a billing company, you're a facility director, you have, you know, responsibilities to get the claims out. But is it really responsible to just slap it on there because you mm -hmm. know it'll get through? That's right. When it's just going to come back and That's deny right. and you're going to take your money back and you're going to have to spend extra FTE hours with your employees. You deal with the Medicare because, you know, Medicare will pay first and ask questions and find you later. And that's, you definitely don't want to deal with that, you know? Uh -uh. So, yeah. Yeah. You, you want to do your due diligence, um, you know, as a, a coder's creed and to, for our integrity and to make sure we're doing things correctly, we need to make sure it's always documentation to support what we're doing. And especially if we're adding modifiers. 
Absolutely. Well, we've talked about the modifiers that go on for the global period for surgeries and for AMs. But um, before we jump into 59, actually, I want to just because um, somebody asked about it, and I really want to just jump to you, Kim, because I know you have done research and you've been up on these F modifiers. So these are new. Yes. These are new yes. modifiers. So, yes. so talk about these for me a little bit. Yes. Can I real quick? I saw Caitlin asked a question about the KX yeah. modifier. Yeah. And I did use that when I was a surgical coder in the cardiovascular arena. It's that um, modifier uh, KX for requirements that the specific requirements are met for medical policy for a certain payer. And um, we used to put them on when we did defibrillators, those implantable defibrillators. That was one of the procedures I recall um, that needed them or the pacemakers. And so um, that is the situation that I used them in, Caitlin. I'm not real familiar with the ET modifier. I didn't have a chance to look yeah, that I, one up. I, I remember, like, if it's not one I prepared for today, I can't tell yeah. you. I, I definitely, definitely, definitely will yeah. um, look at that for you. And Caitlin, I know we talk a lot, so yeah. I will get that over if I, if I can find information. Um, for me personally, like when I was working in therapy coding, like the physical, occupational, Mm -hmm. I feel like we did that a little bit. It's been a it's been a minute, but like a patient would have capped their benefits, but we would have to add the KX to tell Medicare that they it was reasonable me and medically necessary, even That's though they right. had capped that benefit. Like mm -hmm. we still felt that it was medically necessary, and so we're going to bill it anyway. Yeah. And we're adding this KX to justify that we have the documentation to support that. Yeah. Um, and yeah. And that's pretty much when you read the description of the modifier. That's basically what it's saying that you're. Um, validating that you met the requirements by that medical policy for that pair in order to be billing the procedure. So that's what I know the KX to mean. And then the two that I'll bring up real quick, I don't know if anyone wants to know any others, but the hot ones that I knew about right now is the FS, like Sam, that's Frank Sam. And that is the modifier for the split shared services. Now, last I heard, um, there hardly any payers are ready to receive them yet. I know there was a publication that went out um, saying that Medicare was going to be accepting them on 215. I don't know if that's uh, been able to be validated, if they're really accepting these FS or F, um, FS or FT modifiers. But um, FS is what you're going to add when you're having a split shared situation. And we know that's just for the facility. Um, so you would add that in that situation. And then FT, like Tom, um, that's that unrelated ENM during a post-operative period modifier. And they see that potentially being used for more critical care services. So if you're having to um, add a ENM and you're billing with the critical care, they created this FT modifier. And it just says um, it's a pair. The pair may indicate that the modifier is appropriate for a critical care ENM. So um, that's the two that I know about. But there are like several more. They have an FQ that they came out with for if you're doing audio only. And yeah, that's I love um, that idea. That uh, telephone, you're not doing any video. Basically, the patient is calling from their home and, and it's audio only. And then there's an FRA which is a two-way audio-video communication modifier. And then they have the FX, which is used for x-rays. Um, when you're taking x-rays for any kind of, it says digital radiography, which is used for digital sensory or um, x-ray images. And then they mm -hmm. also have a FY, and it's uh, for CT scans, for the radiology for the CT scans. So 
that's the ones that um, I was able to look at. But I know the hot topics that I've been hearing in my arena is the FS and the FT. And that's yeah, the critical care. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Because mm -hmm. they're new, you guys. Yeah. And so it's going to take some time for us to wrap our heads around them. So, mm -hmm. you know, we will, as in consultants yeah. and educators, um, always be on the lookout for when these payers give us more information. And I encourage you to do the same always. And one of the biggest thing you can do as a coder and a biller is get on Medicare's website and make sure you're getting those MLN alerts, those Medicare yeah. Learning Network alerts. Yeah. Anytime there's a new LCD policy or anything new that pops up, it'll alert you in an email. Such a yeah. great thing. Yeah. So that's a lifesaver when you know, yeah. you're the first one to know, hopefully. Yes. Yeah. Oh, your manager, yeah. I found this today. Hopefully they're getting them too. Yes. Yeah. And I tell my students, my billing students, don't add all everything that's on that list. Because you'll get where you're going to get in flooded with Medicare emails for those MLNs and you're, you're going to dismiss them. Right. So at, um, at least when you go in, at least mark the MLNs, but then they're going to give you tons of other things that you can mark. If they interest you, yes, mark them. But don't just mark everything because yeah. you want to get what's going to be important to you. You don't want to get where the emails become dismissive because you're getting so many of them, right? Right. And you don't have time to review them all. But yeah. definitely yeah. review them in an entirety. You want to make sure you understand them. Exactly. A question here from Diana. Great. So can you provide clarification on modifier FT? Is this modifier restricted to claims for providers of the same specialty, same group practice only? Let's see. So it does say here, it tells you that you unrelated for a post-op period on the same day as the procedure or another ENM. And it just says report when ENM is furnished with a global period, but unrelated when one or more ENMs furnished on the same day as unrelated. Now it's one looking, or more. So that's what I yeah. would consider. Like it doesn't matter because yeah. if they're yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't see a restriction. What was her question? She said how do you do with uh the same provider, same specialty, same group practice only? It doesn't say that here, but it does say um, uh, the same date, procedure, or another NM visit furnished within the global period. And I'm looking, there's some other things. Let me read. I don't see anything that says um, to that one group. But if you're typically, if you're in a different group and your tax ID number is different, you're not held accountable for that that other provider's billing and coding. So yeah, typically like your PAs, your NPs, yeah, you they're attached to you. Mm -hmm. So they would yeah. be included in, in that realm. So yeah, yeah so think about that yeah. when you're when you're doing it. Yeah. So I always say same text ID, same group, same specialty, subspecialty. Those are the ones you kind of want to look at and, and make sure they're appropriate when you're adding the modifiers. But if you're a separate company, separate tax ID, separate group, you normally don't have an issue because that separates you for, for your coding and billing. I hope yes, that makes and, sense. Um, I know many of you probably, you know, came to our OBGYN, some of you came to our OBGYN conference virtually we had last month. And we always do an E&M lecture um, right now our designated E&M person for our conferences is Betty Hovey. Yes. So, um, Betty Hovey. <laughs> yes. So I will mention to her also, like, you know, for these things, when she, if she talks about critical care, other things yes. to kind of bring that into the presentation for our conferences, um, mm -hmm. that may affect some of your specialties. We have pediatrics coming um, in April and then cardiovascular May with Terry mm -hmm. Fletcher and Stacey Buck. 
Um, And then we have um, Barbara Shaw is going to be at our pediatric ones for risk adjustment to talk about pediatric risk. So and Barbara's here. Barbara's here today. Hey, Barbara. Yeah, I saw her there. She's following, and I love it. (laughs) I love my Barbara. Uh, And then also um, in in uh, excuse me, June we have oncology, and then we have orthopedics in July. So watch for those. So back to our modifiers. Let's go to our. TC and 26, um, I know it was one of yours, just kind of a brief overview. I know if you're new to coding, you may not really understand them, but you know, I've been doing it so long, they're easy for me, but go ahead, Kim, like explain it. Well, well, you know, to me, the 26, I always say that's your, uh, your modifier for your professional component. And it pretty much uh, identifies that uh, your provider uh, interpreted the test, right? He didn't own the equipment. He didn't probably do the test, but he provided his professional service of interpretation. Um, and so that is what you need to put on there because it's important that you put your 26, because if you don't, it leaves the insurance company to think that you did the global portion, meaning everything, the technical and the professional. So when that facility files for its technical part for owning the equipment and all their supplies for the staff that had to perform the test, their claim could potentially get denied because it looked like you did the whole service when you really didn't. So it's for the professional component, modifier 26 for your interpretation. Yes, absolutely. And okay, I got to back up. I did not mean to forget you, Christine. You're my, oh my goodness, I love you to death. Christine <laughs> Hall. Yes, yes, I'm sorry. Like I didn't, ha- I wasn't thinking like mention everybody, but you can go on our website, ozarkinstitute.oncospark.com. Yes, you know, Christine, <laughs> Christine and Vanessa, they're dear to my heart and they both are here. We on the billing advisory yes. board together for AAPC. Hi, my yes. friends. Uh, so everybody knows that I am like, I fangirl out with my consultants that they're like, oh, you're in our world. I'm like, no, you guys are so much better than me. <laughs> and so I'm like, I don't feel like I'm there with you because you've been this doing this so much longer, but I but I'm honored to be in the same world yes. as you. Um, so yes, Christine Hall is going to be at our cardiovascular summit. I'm really excited because you know how much I love Terry Fletcher and I've got yeah. to meet, I got to actually have like appetizer and a drink with her when I was in California. <laughs> and I was like, this is really happening. Is this really happening? And so, yeah, it was fun. So we talked about the conference. So Terry is going to be kind of like our keynote speaker, all cardiology, but we wanted this year to bring in like, you know, the, um, compliance. We wanted to bring in mm-hmm. um, every aspect you could ever think of that in healthcare we need, like ICD-10, anatomy, yes. like all the things exactly. that you need for each specialty conference. Because every yeah. specialty on its own has its own nuances. Okay. Yeah, You can have a big conference and have all these little kitchen sink mm-hmm. topics, right? Yes. But yes. When so you, get those in, nuggets, you get those yeah. little nuggets from everybody and it make you feel well-rounded in that specialty. So it's really great. And you know, I love Terry Fletcher. She has been phenomenal in helping yeah. me and, you know, being a little virtual mentor to me as well. So absolutely. You know, she she's great. Yes, um, she's and so welcoming. Mm-hmm. Yes. She's on my podcast this week, guys. The, yeah. the one that's, that's on there. It just launched today to so check it out on appeals. Yeah. But anyway, so we have Terry Fletcher, we have Stacey Buck coming in to talk about um, interventional radiology. Miss Christine Hall is my compliance go-to girl. She's yeah. also my go-to on risk adjustment. Um, and yeah. we just launched our risk adjustment um, course Barbara Shaw and Angela Martinez are my girls that help me with that. And then um, Christine Hall is going to come in at some point and also help with that course, some of the, nice. the on-demand content we're going to have. So, you yeah. know, that's a great one. But I'm really excited for um, to have that conference. Like cardiology is like not my yeah. baby. It's not we like it's 
like you know, everyone, and I love uh, Stacy Buck, girl. I just fangirl for her. I, I couldn't believe it. Um, I, I listened to Caitlin's webinar yesterday and she talked about first, second and third connections and Stacey Buck ended up being like my second connection because she knew Christine Hall. Yeah. And so she got her to speak to my colloquium last year and I was just so fangirling. When she emailed me, I said, okay, I'm trying to keep it together. I'm trying to make sure I don't fangirl spiral, but... <laughs> Yeah, and I like I still I'm still in shock. I got to have dinner with Stacey Buck and Christine Hall yes. in Orlando when I was there in November. And I'm like, again, is this really happening? Pinch myself. <laughs> I know, right? Fabulous people. Yeah. Fabulous, fabulous. So we digress, of course. We love to talk about our, our people, but um yes. going, we're gonna dig in now. I'm um, I'm back to what you were saying on TC and 26. <laughs> Yes, we'll get back on it. <laughs> but yes, so, um, I was just saying, yes, that's the number one thing is to just make sure that you're billing it when your doctor does that component, the provider uh, provides that service and the technical component is basically the hospital is doing uh, their staff, the use of their equipment and things like that. So when those services are parceled out, you want to make sure that those modifiers are applied 26 and TC appropriately. Because again, if it's not and you build the whole service, they think you did the global service and it'll be denied. Absolutely. Yeah. And then something to keep in mind, you know, and I even ran into a situation like when I worked for my podiatrist, this is like, a, it was for when I started this, I was like, oh, this is a thing. So like he didn't actually <laughs> do the professional side I know, ovary, and he sent it out to be read. And I'm like, I've never encountered this. <laughs> Like, what I know. Doing? And that's the thing. You know what? I laugh sometimes and I was telling somebody this the other day and I know it's it's bad, but a lot of it we learn by error. It's mm -hmm. like, you know, when we were, you know, coming in, I even tell my students now when I look at the CPT coding manual and the ICD-10, they have all these colors and all these references and all this extra stuff. It's like none of that was there when I started. So it's like you had to go out and find it yourself. And so I, I tell them they're really blessed now with all the definitions and illustrations and resources. Everything is kind of right there at your fingertips to help you. And the AAP's website, oh my God, it's so amazing. Uh, Vanessa uh, Moldovan showed us all kind of links and uh, references on there. So if you all haven't perused the AAPC website, make sure you do that. They have helpful hints. They have free tools on there to help you with those insurance payers and how to make proper choices and make sure you're looking at the right things. And so, I, I mean, it's just amazing all the stuff, like you said, now that we just had to learn trial and error, you know, that's kind of how we figured it out. Excellent. Excellent. Yes. Well, I know we have to get to our last two modifiers, our big kahunas, uh, the, the big ones, um, we have 15 minutes left, so we'll do our best to get through the, the main points guys. We're not, yeah. we know most of you are super knowledgeable, you know, your modifiers. Um, let's start with 59. Um, because we understand, of course, this is for procedures again, not for e &Ms. Mm -mm. Um, this is a procedure modifier, but it's really just think about it. Like you're only going to use it if the procedures are bundled. Okay. <laughs> like don't slap it on there because there's two different procedures. I see it mm -hmm. all the time. We have yeah. two different procedures. They slap it on there because they think it won't get paid. That's mm -hmm. not what it's for. No, it is not. It's, uh, it's only used for, like you said, that distinct, uh, service, a separate and distinct significant service. So you, you don't want to just slap it on because you have two procedures because some procedures you don't need them you know they automatically understand and a lot of times um i always encounter where when we were building like things like left heart cats and uh interventions 
always say you put your main coronary modifiers on there, that LD, LM, um, LC, you know, you, you really shouldn't need 59. Now, of course, you have pairs that are going to have their own pair policies, but because you're putting those major coronary artery modifiers on that procedure, then that kind of tells that story of which artery was affected. So I would think 59 wouldn't need to be applicable. But again, you just want to make sure if you're putting the 59, medical documentation is just your guide and your key. And so you want to make sure that is there. And when you apply it, you're applying it because you have validated, you have the documentation to support it. Absolutely. And we always put in our show notes, um, references, the things we talk about and helpful things that we think the um, the listeners and would want to have access to. So when I've had people ask me, where are the show notes? Well, you actually have to go to the podcast. Like yeah, if you're not up on podcasting, um, there's apps all over your phone <laughs> for podcasts. Um, so find the one you like. And so when I post it on my main page, it gets filtered out to all the podcast apps that it's available on. And when you click on the episode itself, it opens up and then you'll see the description of the podcast and then links or little um, hyperlinks to click on the different references. So that's okay. where they are. Just so if you're new to podcasting, you need, when I say show notes, what do I mean? <laughs> so that's what I mean. Because yeah, You know me, I'm like, I am a new podcaster. You <laughs> all are bringing me in your world. I'm like, oh, I don't know podcasting. I'm like the worst, but I'm, I'm okay. trying to get better. I'm trying to get better. One it's other okay. thing I wanted to say about Modify 59, make sure you look at your NCCI guidelines yes. and understand <laughs> Yes, understand those because there's guidance um, about when you're supposed to use it. Um, they talk about, you know, different anatomical sites, different sessions on the same day, procedures with distinct from others reported on the same day that you need to make sure they understand unbundling applied. If you're doing a diagnostic service and then you have to proceed to an intervention. So just make sure you look at those NCCI guidelines. And if you're not familiar with those are, be as smart as me and just type in Google NCCI <laughs> guidelines and they will come up. Voila. That's just and how guess smart what? You. I'm going to put them in my show notes, guys. Yes, <laughs> that's just how smart you need to be, right? I tell my students that. Let me yeah. show you how smart I am, right? Our so friend Google. Have, exactly. What I'm looking at right now, which because I can do this, I am going to share my screen, guys. Ah. Uh, yeah, I'm going to do it. So let's do this. And let's see if we find the right one. We're going to look at this one, I believe. There we go. Hope you all can see that. Can everybody see my screen? Hopefully. Can you see it, Kim? I can't. No. Now I can. Here it comes. Yes. There it goes. Yes. Okay. Yes. So guys, this is my baby. Um, one of yes. them. Um, the Medicare um, MLN fact sheets. There's a ton of them mm -hmm. on everything, yeah. it seems like. So this is what I want to highlight right here. This is the PTP edits, just kind of a, mm -hmm. an understanding of what they are. So when she yeah. mentioned the NCCI manual, if you were to go into the NCCI files, like the PTP edits, the procedure to mm -hmm. procedure edits, you're going to see all these columns. And what you're looking for is certain modifier columns. Um, and they'll mm -hmm. have these indicator indicators, like the number numeric indicators. So if there's a zero in mm -hmm. that column for that, that those procedure pairs, it says never report them together. Never. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Nope. They cannot be reported. And, and you can do it all you want. It's going to constantly be denied, especially if it's Medicare. They're not going to pay them. 
And then the one, of course, means you may report them together in defined circumstances. And if you use an encoder, like we use Encoder Pro, which is a really user-friendly way that takes that data from Medicare and puts it in a user-friendly little pretty software. Yeah. So everything that you get on an encoder is actually on Medicare's website. Like there's, if you don't pay for one and you can't pay for one, just know that you can go to the Medicare fee schedule mm -hmm. Yeah. And you can, the same information that the, the spreadsheets they have on there, that's where the data comes from. So mm -hmm. in, like, even with my staff, like when I, when I didn't have an encoder for my staff, I would say, Hey, oh, here's the link to Medicare, mm -hmm. do your control F, find the, the code pairs and, and then look at it. Yeah. So so those, yeah. And that's what I said back in the day. That's what you did. You went yeah. through those P2P uh, procedures and that's how you identified what you needed. Um, and also um, uh, AAPC has codified. So if you don't have yeah. a pro, you may be able to get codify and um, it too works like an encoder. And um, it may be one that, you know, may is a little, it may be a little more affordable for you to get uh, through AAPC. Absolutely. And um, this, of course, we know January 1st, 2015, that gracious day that we got these X modifiers that gave us a little bit more understanding for Medicare, like split this up even further. We know like, for instance, modifier 59, as we see down here, the appropriate uses of it, different organs, different anatomic regions, mm -hmm. different contiguous sites, non-contiguous sites, excuse me. So I had to look that up. You know, these are areas that are non-contiguous. They don't touch each other, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So in the colon, for instance, when I'm doing colonoscopies and there's different like um, polyps, in different parts of the colon, the colon itself is one region. Um, all of the different parts touch each other pretty much, but that's what they're talking about. They're talking about structures that don't touch each other. But for me, when I'm doing polyps, I can define that in my different lesion area, like um, it, different lesions, because you can you can actually you know consider it that. So that's what you want to think about. What is the modifier? What what am I dealing with here? What part of 59 can I use this with? They give you different reasons to use it pick the reason that applies to your situation. But if none of them apply, then you don't get to use it. <laughs> yeah. And I love it too. If they go to the uh, Medicare website and they pull those up, they put examples out there for you. I, I don't know if they're in the fact sheet as in depth, but if you go out there, they give you like little examples. So you know, when yeah, right to use XU. yes, when, yeah, there you go. When you, when you can use XU, when you can use XE. So um, if you're not sure, look at those examples and hopefully that'll help you clue this, in. This is like my best friend here. I love it. So, <laughs> I mean, it's, I, I could talk all day about this modifier, but we have to get to 25. So I don't want to <laughs> go into too much, but I just wanted to make sure we had information for you guys that you understand when and when not to use this. Right. So let's go back and talk about 25. Um, just real quickly. I, I was at decision health conference in Orlando in November with orthopedics. I had my girl, Jessica Burke was there with me and we talked, I had the lovely task of talking about modifier 25 for office procedures. So I'm going to talk first, Kim, just kind of give my spin on it. And then I will invite you to give okay. your spin on it. And then we'll see yeah. if we have any questions. Kimberly is. Okay. So my biggest pet peeve, and I've seen it out there when people say the payer says to slap it on, which is true. <laughs> That is true. There are times when the payer doesn't matter. They don't care about AMA. They don't care about anything else. If that payer says, we're not going to process this claim until you put the 25 on there. If you know that to be true and the actual um, processing manual says that, then that's one thing. But if it doesn't have any indication and you're just doing it because you think it's going to get out the door, that's a different story. Do not do that <laughs> at all. Um, yeah. No. 
So 2021 guidelines, incomes 2021. And we're like freaking out. How is this going to affect modifier 25? It's not. <laughs> not at all. What yeah. changed was the EM guidelines, the modifiers never changed. Mm -mm. And neither did the de definitions of it. Modifier 25 still says significantly separate identify e identifiable uh, service above and beyond this other service that was provided. So you have to be able to carve out that above and beyond from the procedure that you're dealing with on that same day. And so, you know, sometimes uh, when pa patients were getting injections, they would put a E&M with a 25 and all the documentation supported was the injection. And so it's like, you have to make sure you're documenting why. Not that the diagnosis always have to be different because the diagnosis may or may not be different. That's for the clinician to decide. But what needs to happen is you need to make sure you have medical documentation to support us, that it was above and beyond the additional service that you're going to have with, on that date. Exactly. Now, um, we're going to keep talking about this for a few minutes, but as we're talking, I'm going to let you continue, Kim. Give me some more of your um, tips on 25. I'm pulling up the actual AMA uh, risk table because I want to do this real quick and kind of do a little tutorial here for everyone on what I mm -hmm. do when I'm dissecting mm -hmm. this. Yeah. And so um, I have an example here where you have an annual exam, for instance, and the doctor does everything for the annual exam again. Um, let's say it's a male patient having an annual exam, but then at the same time, he complained that he's having bilateral knee pain, okay? So he goes in, the doctor actually checks the knee plane, the patient tell him it's happening when he's mowing the lawn, it gets worse when he's walking too much, and the doctor actually moves forward and addresses it and orders the patient to go have some diagnostic x-rays or, or MRI or tests, whatever, to evaluate it further. Well, now that may be qualified, right? Depending on how it's documented and what's all addressed and what's done and what that medical necessity and MDM says, then you can move forward because it's totally significantly separate than what he was coming for, which was just his preventative annual exam. Now you're dealing with a bilateral knee situation. So um, that's just my Kimberlyism example to kind of pull that out. Okay, so here we go, guys. <laughs> Go back to sharing my screen and we're on a new platform here. So bear with me because I'm getting comfortable with this whole thing here. Um, this page here. I'm going to move over here. Can everyone see that? Hopefully soon. Oh, there it goes. There it is. Um, can you see that, Kim? Yes, I can. Perfect. Okay. So this is kind of what I do when I talk about this is I look at this because I want to explain when I go through the decision to use a 25, what I go through. So I'm looking at first my problem. I'm looking at not really my data in this in this part because yeah, data is important because if you can you can pick out a data piece that's not part because remember X-rays, MRIs, CTs, they're not part of the global package. So if a 25 modifier is going to be the reason you, you add it to an EM because you're saying that we know that 25, uh, we know that the procedure has a, an already has an EM built into it, 
And I know that already, mm-hmm. but I want to build this ENM. There's something about it that is over and above outside of what is part of that procedure that I'm going to pick out. And it could be the reason that you're ordering something like that because x-rays are not, any of those testing are not part of the bullet package. So mm-hmm. they're always built separately um, anyway. So they're not part of it. So do you have something like that? Can you pick this column here as your one of your columns for to get that ENM? The other thing you want to look at is why did I order this injection? So if you have a condition right here and the, the problems addressed, that is um, the reason that you're doing the injection. Is there anything else <laughs> that you're talking about that is outside of the reason for that? Then maybe you can grab it here. But or maybe you're ordering something. So maybe you like for ortho, this happens a lot where they they know they have to go do a surgery, they're going to order it, but the patient's in pain. And they want to satisfy that right now. Okay. So you're going to go ahead and do the injection for that knee pain, but they're still going to order that surgery. So where does that surgery fall in the risk table um, when they order that procedure? Because that's not part of the E&M. That's separate. Because they're going to be scheduling it out. That's not part of what is included in the E&M. So to me, that seems pretty straightforward. Your car- the word carving out is what I use, right? I like to carve out what is separate. Um, we do that with the um, preventative care on the EN the same day, right? Mm-hmm. We have to yes, carve have out. To make sure, yes, because you have to make sure that you're, you have all your components of your preventative exam and you can still pull out um, what you need to support that ENM. And I know sometimes I even have um, a, a complicated or actually a passionate conversation with some providers because they want to bring up the uh, patient's chronic conditions and they're not really addressing it or doing anything about it. And, you know, one of those components, um, I know, especially when you look at a, a AWV, one of those components is making sure that the patient is doing okay with those. So if you don't have anything that you can significantly pull out to support it, it's hard to say you have a problem-oriented visit separate from doing that preventative service. Exactly. So back to the key points, and I wish we could talk about this all day, guys. You're looking at, you know, okay, what is part of the goal package? We know that an E&M is normally part of it. If you're scheduling that injection that day, you know it's going to happen. There is an E&M component already in there. Outside of that, all you get is your procedure code. No E&M. Just that's that's part of it. If you talk about something else, you order something else, it's over and above what's included in the global package, that's when you can add your 25. But again, I'm not here to do, you know, you have to look at the actual guidelines. You have to look at the OIG, how they're looking at it. Like if you aren't keeping up with the OIG work plan and what they consider something that they're identifying you could get caught in this huge problem. So mm-hmm. always look at the regulatory guidelines, look at your payer guidelines and do your best. Yeah. I mean, it's not going to be a perfect situation all the time. They may say, Hey, we don't agree with this. Do you have enough documentation to appeal that situation? Can you stand behind that documentation for the payer and say, Hey, this sentence right here justifies my use of 25. Yes. Yes. That is what yes. you have to be able to do. Yeah. Always make sure that medical documentation, you can defend it. Whatever decision you make, if you're going to add that modifier 25, that modifier 59, make sure that if someone came to you and you had to defend why you put that on there, why you coded it that way, that you can defend it. And if you can defend it, then you're good. Yes, absolutely. And I did have a question up here. I know we talked about 25. 
a question about why some payers are not paying the A&M with injections now. I mean, it could just be their policy or maybe just a, a rejection got through. They reject things all the time. <laughs> doesn't mean that it is accurate or that your documentation doesn't support it. Yeah. And that that goes back to, as you were saying, when they automatically snap those 25s on there. So some of the payers, because they got so used to so many um, clinicians and clinics were just slapping those 25s and those 59s that they did start just denying them and wanting to make you send in that medical documentation so they can eyeball it and see that we did have something significantly separate above and beyond or something distinct that we could support it by adding that modifier. So that's why, again, it's so important not to just automatically slap modifiers on procedures without validating that documentation. Yes. And again, we talked about not triggering an audit. So I'm going to answer mm -hmm. lady's question mm -hmm. because she says, is 94760 pulse oximetry for oxygen considered part of the ENM or could I add 25? So I don't have my stuff in front of me right now, but yeah. my best thing is to say, look at the, look at the global days. Does it have a global date attached to it? Like a zero, a 10 or, or a 90, which I don't think it's 90. I think it's probably, if it had anything, it'd probably be a zero or 10. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't have that, you don't need a modifier. <laughs> and if, lady, if you have, um, again, you can look up, I think those P to P mm -hmm. if you don't have an encoder, if you have an encoder, you can plug it in and it'll mm -hmm. be able to help you and guide you. But again, if you don't go pull up the P to P and it has every single CPT code in there. So you yeah. should be able to find whatever ENM code you're talking about with that 94760 and look at it mm -hmm. and see what your NCCI edit guidelines tell you to do. And yeah, that'll and for, help you. Yeah, for me, I am just super simple. Like I just, I look at the global days because for me, mm -hmm. I'm like, if it doesn't have a global concept, just like an x-ray or an MRI or a lab, we don't put a modifier on mm -hmm. unless the payers it's in their policy. Yes. Other than that, we go by CPT, we go by yeah. the guidelines in front of us. And so if you, it's just going to trigger an audit. Like, so why would you put it on there? It's only going to help them come in and look at everything, right? <laughs> They're going to look at all your stuff mm -hmm. if you get audited. So try to be careful with it. Yeah. So I look at that, like if it doesn't have a global days, I know I don't need one because it's yeah. going to, the claim's going to get through without the modifier mm -hmm. because it's not necessary. So yeah, you don't need it. Exactly. You don't need and, it. And, and that's a good point. You do make a very, very valid point. You don't want to put modifiers when you don't need them. If, if you don't have a reason or you don't need the modifier on that with the procedure, don't put it because that's just um, excessive. You're excessively using modifiers unnecessarily and you don't want to do that either. Yeah, and like she, she mentioned here, it doesn't have a global period, but it does have a CCI edit. So that mm -hmm. could also be another issue where mm -hmm. like, you gotta check both. You gotta always yes, check both. You gotta look at it, yes. Yeah, you gotta look at it. And, and if it's a CCI edit, you should see it on your NCCI edit, so. That will help you and give you guidance. Yeah, yeah, we're not giving you specific do this, don't do this. What no, we're telling no. you is check these resources. Yes, and always go by your pair because, again, we can't tell you that because I'm in Texas, she's in Arkansas, and the rules are different. If you're in Florida, Christine's in Florida, the, the rules are just different everywhere you are. So mm -hmm. you just have to check those pair policies and see what they want and make Absolutely. sure. And then, Elizabeth, you're so funny. Yes, she said, I, I, I was always taught. Are you willing to defend it in court? And I will tell you, I have had to defend in court. So yes, that's I I I that I live by that. It's like if I can't defend it and I can't understand why I'm doing it, I'm probably not gonna do it because I have been that one had to go to court and defend myself. And so I know what that's like, and I don't ever want to have to do that again. 
But well, I won. I won. I won. <laughs> good. One day, I hope to be like that's my next goal. I've got all these certifications, which I'm I'm kind of done right now. I think, but. <laughs> I want to be an expert witness someday. Like that's been my long-term goal. I think I talked about this on a, on with an interview one day yes. is that I just really want to like have that, that part of my career go that next level. Because when I was starting out, I was either going to be a um, paralegal or I was going to go into coding because my, my cousin yes. was a coder and she kind of pushed me that way. Nice. And so I had that desire and like, Oh, I want to work in the legal field. And I used to watch LA law and I used to watch Perry Mason <laughs> with my mom and be yeah. like, or even like To Kill a Mockingbird. Like, I love that movie. And like yeah. seeing him on the you know, courtroom, I'm like, I want to do that. But, but anyway, I want to be that yeah. witness on the stand that says, you know, like says my, my says my case, right? Like that yeah. speaks my, yeah. my knowledge and maybe one day. But anyway. Yeah. Well, so. let me know because I, I do have someone and she's always <laughs> looking for people to try to develop them into expert witnesses. So hey, you, you, you enter my way. I'd love to see if there's any way I could help in doing that. I love that kind of stuff. So yeah, let me know. Um, yes. But anyway, we have had such a great time. I'm just yes. like, that's why I love these, these live podcasts because we get the conversation going from our comments yes. and then we get yes. just feed off each other, right? Like feed yes. off the conversation. And we can talk all day, right? <laughs> oh my goodness, we we could just yeah. And then my new my new office that we're gonna be having is in Dallas. So Kim, I'm yes. telling you, I cannot wait to have lunch with you and have Me coffee. Too. Yes, and do that. I can't so wait. it'll be fun anyway. So yes, it will. again, it will. thank you, thank you, thank you to our network, to our listeners who have dedicated yes. on their time to help. Um, the Life as a Coder podcast be what it is into our fifth season. We're so grateful. I started yes. out this podcast in the pandemic after I broke my ankle with nothing yep. to do. And so I decided to make a podcast. And now it's become yes, this thing that I'm addicted to doing this. Just, yes, and it's it's phenomenal. You have an excellent, phenomenal honor uh, audience. And it's been my honor to be here today and serve with you. It's It's great. I love it. Well, I'm so glad you've been here. And again, guys, um, please keep supporting us. And remember, it's March Madness. So yes. everyone is going to get a special uh, discount um, on our conferences. So um, watch for that um, to be posted later on um, in the show notes um, for this episode. So we're super excited to offer that to people who are listening to the podcast, who are supporters um, just for the month of March. So get your discount um, on our con upcoming conferences. We're excited that. Um, again, I want to just reiterate our keynote speakers that are coming up because I know you love them as much as I do. Pediatric, April um, April 16th, we have Rhonda Buckholz. I fangirl whenever yes. I get to hear her. She's going to be talking at, um, at our pediatric summit on compliance. And then, of course, um, you we all know you love Terry Fletcher and Christine Hall. But uh, Barbara Shaw, Stacey Buck, um, April or sorry, May 21st and 22nd, it's a two day event. The price for this event and the 12 CEUs is worth it, even just for like a two hours. Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. if you were to hear the any of these ladies speak, even one hour, it's yeah. way cheaper <laughs> to buy the whole conference. It's crazy. Yeah. Which is a much more affordable than if you had to do it independent somewhere else. Yeah, absolutely. So please, please, please. Please come to our cardiovascular conference. We're so excited for this. It's like what I look forward to every year is when I get to have these ladies together. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, oncology with myself and Jordan Johnson. And we have uh, Rita Genovese 
who you'll probably hear at HealthCon on talking about different things, but she's an oncology expert. Yeah, she's great too, Rita. Mm -hmm. Yes. And we're also having Barbara Shaw come back to talk about, um, yeah. to help at our oncology conference because she is really good in, the, in risk adjustment. And she's also mm -hmm. great in the world of oncology. So we'll have her. And then orthopedics, we're still looking for speakers um, for certain topics. And we're also looking for sponsors. So if you, if your company or you know somebody who would like to sponsor um, great packages for sponsorship and, um, and virtual exhibition. So maybe you've gone to HealthCon and you know that you have these exhibitor booths. We do virtual ones. So we get you on there and you get to um, be there for on your lunchtime, the lunchtime hour. All the attendees get to learn about what you do and your products and your services. So reach out to me if you're interested in that. We're excited to launch that. Um, so thank you, Kim. Thank you to all our listeners. Thank, thank you for listening you so to The Life as a Coder. Uh, yes. Keep learning. Keep growing. Yes. Lifetime learners. That's what we are. Be lifetime learners. And yes. we will talk to you next week, guys. Thanks for joining the Life as a Coder podcast. Please feel free to rate or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate that effort. It helps us share the show with other healthcare professionals just like you. Join us next Wednesday for another episode. We'll catch you then.